0: Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast-track the learning curve to get ahead of your own life. Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast where we talk about issues relating to health, fertility, and parenthood. On today's episode, I am joined by Danny Bader. Danny is a best-selling author and sought-after speaker whose life was transformed after he died when 8,000 volts of electricity ripped through him. Then he came back to life from a place where he connected with something bigger than us. He uses his experience to lead people to create more perspective, joy, and a love that replaces weariness with inspiration, drives vision, and creates momentum for people in all areas of their lives. Danny has been inspiring the people of Fortune 500 companies like Merck, Comcast, the Ritz-Carlton, Marriott, and Lincoln Financial with insight and practical tools that build momentum in the midst of defeating monotony. Today, Danny and I will discuss his backstory, his principles on Jackrabbit, and resilience, and so much more. So let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me today, Danny. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Joe. Happy to be here with you.
0: So I think the best way for us to start is to take it back to the experience in your life that made a significant impact on the trajectory of your path. In fact, your your brush with death was the inspiration for your best-selling book, Back to Life: The Path of Resilience. So Danny, why don't you start by telling us your story?
1: All right, I sure will. I'll give you the kind of elevator version of it and then you can pull some threads if you need more detail. But uh, I had a pretty easy life up until I was 28, almost 29 years of age. Uh grew up with a sister and six brothers and a uh, middle-class family. And then when I was 28, I was working in the construction trade. And I was working for two brothers, and one brother and I were lowering a ladder, metal ladder, late in the day in July of 1992. And I asked, you know, I saw these wires, and I kind of sensed we might be close. And he said, no, we'll be okay. We did it this way this morning. And we hit the wire by about a quarter of an inch, half inch, so a very, very small margin of of human error. And that wire tragically had about 8,000 volts of electricity in it. It came down the ladder. It went into both of our bodies. And uh, it pretty much killed both of us, and I came back. My friend didn't that day. So, yeah, quite the journey afterwards, you know, the guilt and all the, all the feelings of, um, you know, despair and hopelessness and all those things after, after my buddy, um, you know, passed. He's a wonderful guy, husband, dad with three kids. So that, um, yeah, that, that event certainly is a, is a big mark on my timeline, if you will.
0: That is, I mean, to come back from that and then to have to deal with not only what happened to you, but to your friend is, um, is just so traumatic. So, you know, how did you make sense of what happened to you and then choose to go on living?
1: Yeah, it's yeah, a good question. It took me a little while to make sense of it because initially it was, so, you know, the accident happened. I came back to life. My friend didn't, I had a very... Weird, interesting, beautiful experience at the accident when, what I believe, my soul left my body. But the way that I made sense of it was just to, you know, rely heavily on my faith. Now, that didn't happen initially. I was really pissed at God because I I thought God got this wrong. You know, it was kind of like, how can you let bad things happen to good people? We've all heard that phrase. Mm -hmm. So I I severed the relationship with God. And, um, you know, I, I looked for some healing in other very unproductive ways, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, but ultimately, I came back to the support of my my wonderful mom and dad and my sister and my brother and my girlfriend at the time and thankfully just pressed on. You know, it was one instance, though, I can remember that was very, very powerful for me. I was down in the Outer Banks of North Carolina in October, and I was pretty much at the end of my my proverbial rope. I just couldn't take it anymore. Nobody understood what I was going through. And I was contemplating getting a hose and putting it into the tailpipe of my Jeep and just driving onto the beach down there and run it through the the, um, window and go to sleep. And I looked at the hose and I didn't buy it. I kind of got spooked when this lady came by, you know, because I'm looking at hoses and I'm trying to the things you think about. I'm thinking about what color should I get? How long should it be? And, you know, crazy that you're thinking about self-destruction. And she came by and kind of spooked me out of my funk. And um, I went out and got drunk because that was a good mode of dealing with everything those days. And I remember I was in a phone booth. I I, I was coming back to my motel room and uh, I walked past this phone booth and I went into it. And a lot of young people have no concept of what this is, right? Anyhow, some of you know, it was that square box with glass (laughs) and and you put money in. So I I went in there and it was kind of like I was divinely drawn in there. It had this, this mystical light shining down on it. And um, I called my mom and she said, when are you coming home? We can't wait to see you. And I'm, you know, half drunk or maybe three quarters drunk. And I said, I'll, I'll be home in a couple of days. And when I walked out of that phone booth, Joe, something in, in that little voice in my head and, and all of our listeners have it, you know, it said, I wonder what it's going to be like when I get better. And that was the first time that I really held a very useful thought, a positive thought about the future versus, you know, being stuck in the past and all the blame and all the guilt. So working through it was just, you know, it was a matter of time. It was a matter of, um, y- you know, really being okay that I felt like shit a lot in life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just part of that journey. Don't, don't, you know, if any, if anybody's going through anything difficult, the worst thing we can do is go, oh, don't worry about it. You should feel better. Don't feel like that. We, we got to feel like that. You know, that's, that's part of the journey, but we need support.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned that you had reached the end of your rope, I had run across this, the saying, uh, from Franklin Roosevelt the other day of when you reach the end of your rope, um, tie a knot and hold on. And it sounds to me like that's exactly what you did. Having that voice finally pop up in your head yeah. and the support that you got, I'm curious, like what you said you severed at that time your relationship with God. So then what kind of support did you lean on to help you get over this hump? Was it the friends and yeah, family that yeah, you had well, or?
1: Yeah, mostly I, le- I led on some negative support, you know, yeah. um, you know, withdrawal, not being authentic, you know, alcohol, smoke a little weed, couple pills, you know, sleep, sleep with, Somebody that you think, you know, makes you feel good for a little while and then that, that doesn't work. So a lot of those things, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll to mm-hmm. try to deal with it. And um, then ultimately, I just I let everybody back in. That was was knocking real hard to get in mm-hmm. my mom and my dad and my my sister, who's my best friend to this day. My brothers who are wonderful guys, my best friends. You know, I finally just said, all right, you guys, I, I need some help here and I'm ready to, to let you in. You know, I finally clicked. I went to a psychiatrist and Joe, I must have gone. I bet I went to about five or six of them. And some of them were priests, you know, because my, my religion is Catholic. So I was trying to latch on to that. But I just, none of them were really clicking for me. And I found this Jewish psychiatrist that that resembled Steven Spielberg to a T. And I remember sitting there I'm, I'm, and, you know, I was still kind of messed up going through this. And I'm like, man, this dude really looks like Spielberg. And And for some reason, he just clicked with me. And mm-hmm. we went through, I don't know, maybe six months of treatment and he was really instrumental in, uh, in moving me through. I can't even recall his name anymore. I think, I think his first can can't recall his name, but I, I always hold that image of him and, uh, just a great listener mm-hmm. and realized that my faith was important to me and, and, you know, didn't, didn't judge anything, even though he was of a different faith. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think you just need to keep going to support and it, it shows up differently for, for all of us, but, It is very key to seek the support.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we touched upon this when I was speaking on your own podcast uh, about just being in my own grief when I experienced my own trauma and not wanting to let anyone in. I was completely fine in the space that I was in, just feeling everything, but also sort of numbing everything. And then at some point you decide that, you know, it's time. And I do want all that support that people have been offering me. So yeah. amazing story, Danny. Thank you so much for sharing oh, that sure. with all of yeah, us. Yeah. And so you share that just to pivot a little bit, um, that people can move from just living to being fully alive and living a life fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So I want to start with asking you, what does it mean for you to be fulfilled? hmm
1: For me to be fulfilled is to really remain focused on those key areas of my life, our life that we all have and make sure that they're in good shape. And if they're not in good shape, um, you know, it's your health and it's your wealth and your relationships and your finances and those things, you know, and our creativity in terms of what you and I do to really look at those areas of your life consistently, not just, you know, January 1st in in a goal setting exercise, um, but to stay engaged with them consistently and make sure the ones that are not where they need to be, you know, according to your measurement, that you're focused on them and that you're engaged in them and, and you're moving them up. You know, even even when an area of life is not where it needs to be, I can still create some good energy to focus on moving it up. You know, it's been a very difficult year for people like you and me, because right. many of us travel, you know, we get on a plane, we stay in a hotel and we speak to a live room of people. Well, no, 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 Right. you know, so, so financially a lot of us took a big hit. So that's a, that's a, that's a big area for me to focus on right now. Now, because of that, you know, physically I was able to get in, you know, a lot more exercise and those things. So it's those areas of your life. They all, it's, it's almost like a meter, you know, Mm. like if you're looking at music and and you see the baseline going up and going down, it's kind of like that. There's always going to be those areas of our life that go up and go down a little bit. And I think it's really key not to just, you know, live, go through the motions and go, Oh yeah, it's just another day is how life is, but rather to look at them and, and kind of say, shit, that's, that's not what I signed up for. What needs to happen for me to, to get this thing, right?
0: Mm -hmm. No, I love that. And I think also a part of it for me is to, you know, we are saying those levels going up and down in certain areas to not dwell so much and beat yourself up about those levels that are going down Um, and to gain your inspiration and your optimism and hope from the levels that are going up and use that to sort of fuel the the things that are sort of on their way down to help you work your way through those. I love that. Um, you
1: phrase it so great right there, right? Just build that little bit of momentum and then let that start to spill over into the other areas.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's all about that momentum. Um, So you have a philosophy uh, that you discuss on your website called Jackrabbit, where you distill five principles for living a life fulfilled. And I'd love for you to just touch upon about what that's all about.
1: Sure. So when I walked out of that phone booth that that I I told you about, and that little voice said, I wonder what it's going to be like when I get better. That was the first time I kind of had a vision. I started to get a picture of the future. Whatever people might call that, you know, I use the term vision and I call it jackrabbit because jackrabbit of all the animals in the animal kingdom has really good eyesight. Its eyes are further back on its head and very high up. So essentially it has a a 360 degree view, very much aware of its surroundings, which is so important for us as people. So that's why we call it jackrabbit. And then I just took the vowels out, you know, so it looks a little more unique than the word. Um, The other ones are to be still. So there's five principles. First is develop vision. The other one is to be still. And as you know, with your meditation practice, so much power and stillness when life is good and even more so when we're struggling. You know, it's often in the absence of sound that we can hear the most. And, and that hearing is what moves us through those tough times. So develop vision, be still, um, know thyself, which is really taking a look at who you are, how you show up, what are your values, what's your purpose, What's the belief? What's the mindsets that you hold? You know, what, what's the history and the experience that you have and where do you need to kind of work on, on the impact that that's made on you? So that's all around knowing yourself. The other one is to seek support and also be support. So make sure that we're looking around and we're offering our support to other people because I, I would suggest humbly to all the listeners now, there's probably somebody in your life that needs you right now more than you're showing up for them. And it's not because you're not a great person. You're a wonderful person, but we just get busy, right? Mm-hmm. And unless we have that really strong set of principles that are ingrained, you know, we got to keep the eye out so we can kind of see where some, and you go to somebody, hey, you okay over there? What's, what's happening? And then the final one is just to evolve, to undergo continuous and gradual growth and change. And that's just that mindset of even with all of its challenges, this life is a wonderful journey and those misfortunes, and those challenges, rather than hate them, it sounds crazy to some people, but you might want to welcome them because it's moving through those where we really continue to grow into our best version of ourselves for ourselves and for other people.
0: I love that. I, I just starting off with the um, with the jackrabbit itself and how it has that vision from way up there to get that three hundred and sixty to be aware of everything that's happening and that's what you know we all strive for especially as you know i teach my client my clients and coach them on mindfulness is that mm-hmm. that idea of self-awareness and just awareness of life so that you can be present mm-hmm. um so that's thank you for sharing your sure. and your, your kids principle. too
1: right joe i know you're teach- teaching your kids that
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every night they're they're becoming master meditators.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wish I learned it a little bit sooner in life. And that's okay. As, as yeah. long as, it, as, it come, as we come to it, as we move along.
0: Right. So, in the in the topic of self awareness, um, I'd love to hear about how you built up your own self awareness, or how you began that journey and realizing that you know stillness was a key part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, in order for our listeners to learn how to better understand themselves, especially when they come to a crossroads in their life, you know, developing an awareness of not just themselves, but also the situation that they're in is really useful to, to be able to make better responses. Mm -hmm. So I'd love maybe just to start with how you went about building that in yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, I always, in terms of the stillness, which is so near and dear to your heart and my heart. I always liked stillness, whether it was, you know, a run on the beach without music when I was 16, 17, you know, um, just sitting on the beach, being out in nature, I did, you know, skiing. I was into skiing, you know, just being out on the slopes by yourself for a little while. I always enjoyed that because I always felt the divine presence for me, which was God. So I knew that that was important. I didn't practice it so much regularly until after the accident. You know, I fooled around with it a little bit in college, but then after the accident and I I realized that the silence that I was going through was really helping me to move through it and to be resilient and to heal. That's kind of of how I came to that. And then as I got more involved with personal development and coaching and, and, you know, personal growth and doing workshops and I got my coaching certificate and all of that, then you, you just get more immersed from your reading and from what you need to learn. There's a, a woman that runs the, um, the CEO of the Hudson Institute out in Santa Barbara. It's a wonderful coaching school that I had the pleasure of attending years ago. Pam McLean, her name is. And she used a line, and, and I don't know that it was hers. It probably was because she was brilliant. But it said, awareness precedes change. So it's easy for people to understand many times that they need to change. Even if they don't say it, that's where the authenticity comes in, where Brene Brown is, is, is struck such a chord with people now. So it's the authenticity to say, I need help. And that's OK. I'm not weak because I need help. I'm a human being. But the other thing is, is that awareness to say, OK, what does what does help look like? What, what's going on for me right now? Let's not sugarcoat anything. Um, what would it be like when this is finished, when I'm through this and, and I'm back into a, a good space? So it's very important to just, you know, read, learn, study, and, and just the most important thing I think, Joe, I know is just to accept who you are. You are, mm. I, I try not to use the negative because a lot of people say there's nothing wrong with you. And, and I get that it's coming from a good place, but I would just shift that into the positive and just say, hey, you're, you're perfect just the way you are, even with your imperfections and your misfortunes and your challenges and your shortcomings. And that's Okay keep moving through those and and keep working to be the best version of you because the world needs best versions of all of us.
0: Yeah, no, I love your approach to, to digging deep and, and sort of evaluating every aspect of, Mm -hmm. of your situation and yourself and, and all that's certainly key. And you, you said earlier, it definitely looks different for everyone. So it's, it's really key to, to just focus on on what's happening within you versus always sort of comparing to other people. I know that can kind of bring other people down. I myself have fallen into that same trap. So um, wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. advice. And on your site, you know, I loved perusing through there. You have a quick snippet about risk, fear, and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, you know, how do you encourage people to approach life in the face of all of this, especially in the times that we are in right now and with all the spikes going on and all that in order to make it over that hump to get onto the other side where growth and opportunity await.
1: Right. Well, I think a lot of times when we're at that crossroads in whatever, whether it's a relationship falling apart, whether it's a loss of a loved one, you know, whether it's a transition that the world thrust upon us or a transition that maybe we created ourselves I think what's really important for people is to um, just, just kind of stop and, and start to go through a process of, of seeing the other side of what it's going to look like when you move through these things. That's so real important. I mean, for, for me right now, when risk, fear, and uncertainty, that snippet that you talk about, they almost always show up when we are at a crossroads. And what I find is, depending on our thoughts around risk and fear and uncertainty, If we see them as forces greater than us, it's going to push us back and we're going to stay where we are and we're going to stay small and we're going to stay in jobs that we shouldn't be in anymore and maybe relationships that we shouldn't be in anymore. And we're still going to eat like shit and be 40 pounds overweight when that doesn't need to be the case. But when you see risk, fear and uncertainty as kind of allies, it says, wow, risk, fear and uncertainty are showing up for me. I got a good opportunity here. And that's what's shown up for me. I mean, my my primary source of income over the past four years when I went on my own have been, you know, delivering keynotes and delivering um, workshops within corporate America. And I've liked them. And, you know, you you make good money doing that and you have flexibility in your life. What I realize now through COVID is I I don't want to do them. I'm still going to do them a little bit, but I don't want to do them as my whole source of income. So Mm -hmm. where now? can Danny step into risk, fear, and uncertainty and, and play it a bigger game and, and humbly offer Danny and his experience and his thoughts to a larger audience. And that's, you know, that's scary as shit. When, you know, I'm sending out emails to people and I'm talking to people about, you know, I, I, I believe I, I would be good on a talk show. I'm starting to pitch a show and here's what it looks like. It's scary as hell. You know, little voices show up, say, who, who are you to have a talk show? You think you're Oprah? You think you're Dr. Phil? You know how many talk shows fail, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm star- I am started the f- a fourth book around transitions, which is very much tied to this. So, you know, I was up this morning around 5 o'clock writing because I'm starting to build that force of momentum that you talk mm-hmm. about. But again, you know, it's, it's risky and it's scary and it's all those things when you sit down to write a book. And you're going, oh, my God, I hate this. What if nobody reads it? What if it's not good? <laughs> so you really have to welcome those and say right. cool what 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 does the other side of this look like
0: yeah no that's um and thank you for bringing up examples within your own life that's really helpful yeah. and what what i find is with with risk fear uncertainty it's so easy to fall into that that trap of helplessness and to just to just accept like what's happening to you yeah. and and not feel like you have the power to move past it and to, to move through it. Well, because it's scary, first of all. And, and it, if you don't have what we talked about before, that ability to, to be aware, um, it's hard to see what that other side could look like. Sure. Um, which you were talking about, you know, self-awareness comes before change. So, Um, I love that. And is this what, you know, you have a training, a renew 2021 training. Is this sort of the basis for what that training is all about?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say though, too, as we circle back, Joe, risk, risk really keeps us small, right? Risk, fear keeps us from taking action Mm -hmm. and uncertainty. Uncertainty usually lets us fill in the blank that it's not going to work out and it's going to be a negative Mm -hmm. outcome. So I would challenge everybody. You know, when you come back to life, that's kind of my brand and my book, and, and yours is you know responding to life. We're very closer. You know, when you come back to life every morning, I get that the majority of you didn't die and come back to life, but every day, in a sense, we open our eyes and, and we're back to life. Watch with that little voice. Watch what's saying. You know, watch those thoughts, especially in the morning, because that's either going to get you get you on track or or kind of push you back off track. So the renew 2021 is um, it's a training design more for teams within corporate America because I, I have you know still have thankfully a nice audience there and it's just about what what are the steps to so renew it, the definition of renew is to come back to an activity after an interruption so what was interrupted for us was life essentially right. so it's how do we come back now and we're at the threshold of 2021. So, I just broke down that into um, I took some principles and I broke them into the uh, acronym for Renew. So, um, R is to recall and go back to see where you were and what was happening. Uh, e is to engage in the now. So, a lot is in mindfulness, it's practicing some stillness, it's looking at your values, it's looking at your principles. The N is to narrate your next chapter. So, now you've got the pen, right? You've got, the, and you're telling the, re- the next story. So, w- what does 2021 look like for you? Should you have a really good year with what you can control and I understand there are some things uh, you know not necessarily in control. The E the fourth letter of the E is to expect um, positive outcomes. How do you condition your mind to start to expect good things even through the difficult challenges? And then the five is always developing or, or the fifth letter the W is to welcome wisdom. How do you develop that mindset that says every day through my experiences, I'm gaining insight. I'm gaining wisdom. That's going to help me make good, strong, right choices and use good judgment. And that's what we want. So it's just kind of a 90 minute for corporate people. I've got some folks that want to offer to their teams. We do it through zoom, little bit of me, little bit of folks interacting, some activities, but just to, you know, an opportunity to slow them down a little bit, allow them to invest in themselves and then, and then set them loose again.
0: Awesome. I love that. Um, you know, one last question, I guess, is aside from getting some last minute tips from you is the idea of, uh, resilience. You know, you mention it a lot and I'm curious to hear about how, you know, your relationship with resilience and how you build it up, um, built it up over time within yourself and perhaps, you know, with your own children or your clients, um, that's something that I'm trying to teach my own kids, model it for them, but also explain it to them. So I'd love to hear your take on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So resilience, I think there's a couple of, you know, you could go deeper, but real quick for people, you know, if we give you three. Within resilience, I think it's very important to surrender. Because oftentimes when we need a really heavy dose of resilience, there's a bigger force out there going on. You know, there's COVID. I often use the the, uh, analogy of getting caught in a riptide out in the ocean. And, you know, when you're in a rip current, best thing to do is surrender. Don't fight it. Just go with it until it lets you swim sideways and then save your energy. So I think it's really important to surrender and know that the world has some bigger forces sometimes Mm -hmm. that are outside of our control. Uh, The second part is to have some vision. Look past the difficult time. Stay in it. You You got to work through it. But also see the other side and say, this is not going to last forever. At some point, six months, nine months, a year from now, this is going to be how I am. And then the key to it all is action. What what action can I take in the in these rough times? It's continuing to move me move me through it. So yeah, just um you know slow down, surrender, welcome as crazy as that sounds. Welcome the opportunity to grow, see the other side with some vision, and make sure that you're uh, you're getting your ass out of bed and taking some good actions every day. <laughs>
0: yeah no that that surrendering part I think is is so very tricky because uh, I looking back in my own t- in my own life, being vulnerable like that is mm-hmm. is very difficult. and also the idea that if I do surrender at this point, will I be able to get myself out of it? yeah especially the the more profound you know your situation is or your feelings are. Um, but I think that's where the trust comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really key.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I talked about this. I, I, I really work to not use the word hope. And and I replace that with trust. Mm. So I, I hope I hope everything is going to work out for Danny Bader and Jack Rabbit as I move through these difficult times or I trust it is. So re- mm-hmm. Our words have energy. Yes. And when I sit yeah. there and go, you know what, I, I trust this is going to be Okay. Uh, that's going to move me more towards action than, you know, I hope this works out.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. That's like, I made a quick shift of instead of saying, I have to do this, I have to do this, to I get to do this. Yeah. It right. Such a big difference. Well, right. you know, I could speak to you forever, Danny. I'd love for you, though, to just wrap up in terms of, you know, one piece of advice on how the listeners can respond to life in a more positive and meaningful way. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I would say that they should wake up every day and put a smile on their face, give themselves a hug and understand that this human journey that we're on is not the end of it. What I didn't mention in my accident is I saw the other guy coming down the ladder and I was yelling to him. And then my energy and my soul left my body and it was joined with a source that I call God. And then I came back. So I know the challenges and the struggles that we have in this human world. We have to deal with them. And, and they, they do mean a lot to us, but it's not the end of the game. So deal with them and trust that you are going to continue. Look, I died. My body stopped and a part of me went on. Why would I be any different than you? We all have that energy inside of us. Doesn't matter what you call it. We just kind of keep that as your overarching perspective in life. And then roll up your sleeves and deal with what you got to deal with, you know, as a human being. That's that's what I would offer to you.
0: Beautiful, great advice. And I always love to shift at the end of the podcast to a state of positivity by having my my guests share one gratitude for today.
1: My gratitude for today is um, that I'm, I'm looking outside right now and it's snowing.
0: Oh, it is uh, lucky. I'm
1: outside of Philadelphia and this is the first one. And oftentimes, you know, snow is associated with nothing but nonsense and traffic and everything else. But just the ability that I, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm comfortable. I'm blessed to, to be chatting with you. And I'm just looking out at uh, some snowflakes falling down. So thankful for, for just the gift of life and, and the ability to see that. Right.
0: Oh, I wish I could see that. I was born and raised in Chicago, and now I'm in LA, and I miss snow so much. My husband says I'm crazy, but I miss it like. Well, I'll
1: go out. We uh, we downsized recently into a, a really cool little row home because the kids are out of the house, and there's a deck here off my my office, the second floor. So I'll run out and I'll take a quick little video and I'll email it to you so you can see.
0: Oh, something. awesome! I would love that. Got it. <laughs> the first snow is always the best, and it's just. It's so quiet, you know, yeah. as soon as it, it it falls, it's just perfect. Well, thank you so much, Danny. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. I really enjoyed our time together, and I'll be sure to share all of your information with the listeners.
1: That sounds great, Joe. Thanks a lot. And as travel opens up, I've got a son in L.A. We have a son in L.A., and I get out there, so uh, I trust our paths will cross in person sometime.
0: Yeah, I would love that. Thanks so much, Danny.
1: You got it. See you, Joe.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode with Danny Bader. I hope you found his story and his tips on how to maximize living your life very helpful. For more insight and information on how to connect with Danny, be sure to visit his website, dannybader.com. To listen to past episodes of Responding to Life, be sure to hop on my website, jetlery.com and you'll find numerous episodes covering topics on wellness, infertility, and parenthood. You'll also find on my site free video meditations to try, links to articles I've written, and interviews I've had on other podcasts talking about mindfulness, meditation, and my fertility journey. Be sure to sign up for my monthly newsletter to get all the latest episodes and news. Thank you again for joining me today, and I look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with an exclusive and free video meditation, Along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.